welcome to Life Awakening. Let's talk about it. I am your hostess with the most students, Coach Callie Tammy, out here in beautiful San Diego, California. Thank you guys so much for showing up and showing out every week. We are at 1,200 listeners, and I could not do that without you. I am just so thankful for you, for you guys, and I love you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, as I said, this is week or episode number 21, and the title of this week's podcast is Who Do You Think You're Talking To? Yes, I said it. Who do you think you are talking to? Which lets you know right now, I'm going to be all up in your face and all up in your head and all up in your heart today. So I hope you're ready. Grab you a cup of coffee or some tea or your favorite beverage of choice, glass of wine, maybe depending on what time of day it is that you're listening to me, hopefully not while you're driving. And um, let's dig in today. So this episode was actually inspired by an email that I got. And it really just like popped me in the back of the head. And uh, I remember so many times when I had a lot of negative self-talk. And I'm not going to say that I don't have it now. I do have moments in time where I really beat myself up pretty bad, especially because I'm in the process of building a couple of businesses and starting from the ground. And I have to remember that we all start somewhere. You know, I can't compare my beginning to somebody else's highlight reel. And that is a really big issue for a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs and business builders. It's just things that we go through. You know, we want to get from zero to 100 super fast, but there's a lot of growth that has to happen in that process. And in that process, there's going to be times where we may stumble, we may fall, we may trip up, we may hit hurdles. And we're like, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are you doing this? Okay, stupid, da 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 this, da 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 that. And all the negative bullshit that we tell ourselves, it just, it gets live, man. And it's, it's not cool. So let's take a moment and let's hear from my sponsors this week. Plus, you are also going to hear a recorded message from one of my listeners this week, too. She just listened to my last episode called Stop Settling, and she loved it. So I want you guys to hear from Miss LaShonda, the coupon queen, about what she thinks about Life Awakening. And I will be right back and we will dive into this week's episode. Who do you think you're talking to? Tammy, Tammy, Tammy. Oh my gosh. I just listened to your last episode. I am without words. This is the coupon queen pin here. And honey... You have a message for the masses. Yes, keep doing what you are doing. And I love it. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. As I said, today's episode is called, Who Do You Think You're Talking To? And you can say it with whatever tone of voice it is that you want to say it, whether you're talking to somebody. And you know, most of the time when those words come out your mouth, it is because somebody has raised their voice to you. Somebody has jumped up and down on your last nerve. Somebody has just really poked the bear and sent you over the edge. And you about to jump off the cliff with a rope tied around their neck to take them with you. And that is just real information. Like how many of you raise your hand, honk your horn if you're driving, can relate to saying that at some point in your time? Like who do you think you're talking to? 
You know what I mean? Like we get all up in somebody's face and you know that a fight is about to ensue in some kind of way. Now, if it's our kids, our kids will cower down and get in the corner and like, mom, ma, I'm so sorry. Like, I promise I won't do that again. I'm not going to, you know, whatever that looks like. But think of a time when you said that to somebody. Okay. So now what I want you to think about is how many times have you had negative things in your head that you say about yourself? Like you look in the mirror and, you know, we've been doing a lot of mirror work here lately, working on believing that we are enough, working on our self-worth, working on loving ourselves. How many times have you looked in the mirror and you start picking apart what you see? You start picking apart the little lines in your eyes. You start picking apart your weight when you step on the scale and it screams at you because you're not the weight that you want to be yet. What about all of the times that your clothes don't fit just like they want to, or your love handles are showing, or maybe your makeup don't look the way that it wants to. Maybe your hair isn't falling in place exactly like it's supposed to. All of those things, your subconscious believes. And now it becomes a broken record on repeat in your head. And as I've said in several other podcasts is your beliefs are just thoughts you keep thinking. These thoughts are on repeat over and over and over and over again. And now they become beliefs. You want to change your beliefs. You have to change how you think, period, point blank. There's no two ways about it. There's no other way around it. If you want to change where you are in your life, financially, emotionally, socially, physically, financially, professionally, relationally, all of those steps require you to change how you think. They also require you to change your self-talk. So I want you to think about this for a second. Would you go to one of your friends and tell them, you know what? You're fat and you need to do something about it. Would you go to one of them and say, you know what? You're about as dumb as a box of rocks and I can't believe that you did that. And you're not ever going to be anything worth diddly shit. Like, I don't even know how you got a job now. Would you say any of those things? Would you go up to somebody and, and be nasty and say, why are you wearing those clothes? Do you know your love handles are hanging out? I can't believe that you would wear that out in public. And what about those shoes? Have you thought about getting a pedicure lately? Your heels are all ashy and grossed up. And look at your toenails. Like, how are you wearing open toe shoes and your toenails aren't done? Have you thought about those things about somebody else before? Somebody that you knew or didn't know? Would you say those things out loud to somebody? I think not. I wouldn't say them to you, I, but I would say them to myself on a regular basis. So when I say, who do you think you're talking to? Like, I would say that to somebody that raised their voice to me. What about the voice that you're raising in your head to yourself? Saying all that bullshit on repeat all the time. Like, do you think that's cool? It's not. We have to be so mindful of what we've got going on in our head, man, because those things, when law of attraction gets a hold of it, it is on a never ending cycle of repetitive negative self-talk. Did you know that that negative self-talk will manifest itself in sickness? That negative self-talk will also manifest itself in your job by the coworkers that you have around you, by the boss that you have around you and how they treat you. You teach people how to treat you by how you treat yourself. 
So if they hear you talking about you terribly, well, then that you're giving them permission to talk to you that same way. It is truth. And I don't want you to feel like I'm beating you up, but I'm beating you up. Yes, I am in your face today. Yes, this is going to be loud. And yes, this is going to be real. These are real tangible things that I need you guys to work on because I love you and I want you to have the most amazing life ever. The only way to do that is to create change. And I know for some people, change is this like horrifying word and oh my God, it's so hard. No, it's not. Change is not hard. Change happens every second of every day. Every time a second ticks off the clock, something is different. That is change. Every time you go to work, work is not the same thing every day. It is changed every single day. Do you have the same tasks every day? Yes, but is it the exact same thing for the exact same client at the exact same moment in the exact same minute every single day? Absolutely not. Do you wear the exact same clothes every single day? Absolutely not. Do you go the same way to work every single day? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Is traffic the same every single day that you go to work? Absolutely not. Some days it's super easy and you can breeze through traffic and you never hit a red light and you get the front row parking place and you are the bomb.com. Some days you're at work and everything is on the hunky-dory and you have the best day ever. And other days, it feels like the whole world is falling apart. You get stuck by every red light. You get stuck in traffic. Traffic is stuck and you're an hour late for work. That's change, folks. Whether you want to believe it or not, or you want to think about it that way, maybe that's a different perspective for me to help you look at it. Does that make sense? I hope. So what I want you guys to take away from this is... You have control over how you think, period, point blank. Nobody can think for you. Nobody else has control of your brain. There's no mind control going on. You are in control of your mind. You are in control of your thoughts. Now, how do I know that all of this stuff is real? How do I know that changing how you think changes your life? I am the poster child for all of this. I am the poster child for change, embracing change, taking action, and moving forward. I had to do that in order to save my life. I had, when I started this journey of changing how I thought, I had no clue what it was that I was doing. I had no idea how to do it, how to save my life, how to change my thoughts. I just knew that I needed to change the voices in my head from where they were, because what they were telling me was that I was a piece of shit. I wasn't worth nothing. I was a terrible mom. Nobody was going to love me. I was not lovable and I might as well be dead because nobody was going to miss me anyway. That was the sounds that were in my head every single minute of every waking hour of every day for months. When I was in the darkest part of my depression, I went to the drugstore. I got a whole bottle of sleeping pills. And I, got the, uh, I bought a package of bottled water and I had those sleeping pills sitting on my nightstand with a bottle of water and we were having a stare down and we were going to see who was going to win. They were going to win or I was going to win. I was in an argument with myself. I was throwing things. I was crying. I was angry. I was hurt. I was terrible. Like I, I couldn't get the voices in my head to stop. I am so thankful that 
Jason felt the change in my vibration. I don't know how, like I can't explain it any other way other than God's source, higher power, inner being, um, the universe knew that I had a bigger purpose on this earth than to take that whole bottle of sleeping pills and just go to sleep. The only time that I did not hear those terrible voices, these were my own voices, I told myself those things. That's what I believed because at that time, my children were not talking to me. So if they're not talking to me, I can't see my grandkids. What's the point in living? Those were the thoughts that popped up in my head. I had proof positive because they weren't talking to me and I couldn't see my grandkids. That hurt my heart. My friends weren't friends. They were people that were using me for what I could do for them. I had a miserable job. I hated who I was. I mean, I had, I was a 42 year old stripper and doing webcam shows just so I would not be homeless. I had lost my job, lost my car, and I didn't want to be out on the streets. So I did whatever I had to do in order to survive. I was 186 pounds and 38% body fat. And I am only barely five foot five. So I was a chunky monkey, roly-poly, looked like a Oompa Loompa. At least those were my thoughts of what I said I looked like. I didn't love what I saw in the mirror. And Jason was actually a guy that I had, we had broken up. We had not talked in months. And I have no idea what made him call me that day. And we don't generally talk on the phone. It's generally text messages. So the fact that he even picked up the phone and called itself is an intervention from the forces that be, the powers that be, God's source, higher power. Like I said, I, I don't know what your beliefs are. Uh, so whenever you call that higher power, I'm with it. Like I call it God. Sometimes I say inner being, sometimes I say source. Uh, they're all one and the same for me. I knew if he called me, it was important because that's just not something that he did. And that is the only reason I answered the phone is because it was out of the norm for him to do so. And I'm very thankful that he did that because I would not be here giving you this testimony. I would not be here sharing my heart, trying to show you guys that you can create change when you want to. It must become a must. It must become something that if you don't do it, you will die. You have no other choice but to create change because you are sick and tired. You are on the bottom floor laying down and you have two options. You can either go up or go sideways and stay in that pity party, stay on that merry-go-round, not doing anything creative with your life and making it better at all. I needed something better. I didn't know how to do that. I knew the voices in my head needed to shut up. And the only time I didn't hear them when I was was when I was asleep. And that was going to be my solution. I flushed those sleeping pills that day. And the next week I went and joined the gym. It was within walking distance. I didn't have a car. That was my only option. I made enough money to pay my gym membership with what I was doing. And when I joined the gym, like I said, I weighed 186 pounds. That's the heaviest I've ever been in my life. 38% body fat. That's the heaviest I've ever been in my life. I was not happy at all, but I knew anger felt better than depression. So I got in the gym and I started working out and I did angry workouts every single day. I just wanted to feel better. I didn't know how to make that happen. I needed to make the voices change in my head. And so when I would get, I did a lot of racquetball, loved, right? Never played racquetball before I joined that gym, but it was my 
power moment. That's when I would feel the most empowerment is when I would feel any, you know, anything that was making me feel sad. And sometimes I was in full on tears while I was in that little court, hitting the hell out of that ball, trying to make my voices shut up. So whatever was hurting me at that time, I projected that onto that little ball. And by projecting on that little ball, I would beat the hell out of that ball. I mean, I, I, and I did it. And sometimes it's like all the things are coming up on my Facebook memories right now. I did three and a half hours of racquetball. That was after doing a full workout upstairs. So like, it's no wonder I lost, went from 186 pounds down to 155 pounds, not 55, 135 pounds in less than three months. Because I worked my ass off, literally, like full workouts, cardio, racquetball. I, there were times I was in the gym for four hours. Yeah, I didn't have else, anything else to do. You know, I when I was doing webcam shows, I'm at home. That's usually in the middle of the night. If I did, uh, if I was stripping at private parties, that was on the weekend generally and at night. So during the daytime, I didn't have shit else to do. I stayed in the gym. It worked for me. Do I recommend being in the gym four hours a day to get rid of your depression? No. But if that's what works for you and you've got an ability to do that and it makes you feel better, then by all means, please, for the love of God, get in the gym and spend as much time in there as you need to spend. If you've got a gym that's got a racquetball room, that's even better because you can get your racket, put on your goggles and beat the hell out of that little ball. If you don't have a racquetball, just about every gym that I know either has sandbags or they have those uh, heavy sand balls, sand, S-A-N-D, or some of them call them slam balls. Um, and you just pick them up and you slam them down on the ground as hard as you possibly can, as many times as you possibly can so you can't breathe anymore. You rest for a minute, catch your breath, and you do it again. There are some people that like to run. I'm not a runner. I am not a fan of cardio. My idea of cardio is lift weights faster. So whatever that looks like for you, I say throw things, I say hit things because that is a physical act and you are exerting negative energy out of your body and that is what you need to do, hands down. You've got to get that negative out of your body, out of your mind, out of your soul, out of your being and it's important, it really is. So during that journey of me doing all of that, I got down, as I said, to 135 pounds. I was 22% body fat. I looked bomb. But the inside of me, my soul was still very, very dark. And I needed to work on that. My self-talk and even in my Facebook, and I, and I talk about this all the time because it's real. And I haven't, I've deleted some of the message, but I want to have some of those memories to, to remind me, I never want to go back. And this is how far you've come. You know what I mean? It's, Looking back is only good if you've learned your lessons and you can look at them as a positive to motivate you to keep going forward. Forward is the only direction that we, that any of us need to go. And like I said, I, I can look back on all of my past and I can say, you know what? I learned this. I learned this. I learned this. I am, I am where I am today and I am who I am today because I went through those things. I learned these things. I was able to forgive these people and myself in order to get here. And those are beautiful things to be able to say to yourself and to be able to have that realization that you have control over your life. Because all it, Outside of the childhood sexual abuse, which I had no control over, 
and the the teenage rape. I had no control at that point in time. I was too young. There was nothing that I could do. I was in a place with people who, for whatever reason, did what they did. They probably suffered at the hands of other people, which made them think that it was okay to do what it was that they did. I have no idea. All of the people that did those things to me is no longer living. As I, Except for my biological father, I don't know if he's alive or dead. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives, if he's even living. Um, I know he was older than my mom, and my mom passed away uh, six years ago now. So, um, like I said, all, all of the people that did the things to me that they did are no longer alive. So, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. I know in my mother's aspect, she did what she did because she was abused. My biological father was very abusive to her physically, mentally, emotionally, and physically, uh, and I'm quite sure sexually as well. Um, I don't know about that part of the story, but I do know that he beat her so bad one time that she was in the hospital for three months and was on life support for a little while because he had beat her so bad and because she wouldn't do something that he wanted her to do. And that was the result of that. She still went back to him one more time after that because she didn't feel loved, I guess. I don't, I don't really understand why she went back and I can't ask her now, but, um, you know, she did tell me she went back one more time and, you know, before she finally got away from that and she just, she had to have enough self-worth. She had to believe that she needed something better, that she was worth having somebody that loved her without his fists. And I talk about that because I think I actually manifested my best friend out of watching my mother go through that because my best friend, Teresa, went was in a relationship for over 14 years where he loved her with his fists. He beat her unmercifully, I can't say that word without being tongue-tied, and the final straw for her was when he broke her ribs and she really believed that that was the first time that she had ever cried out for help when he uh, beat her up that night. And she really believed that he might actually kill her. She saw something in his eyes that were different and she knew her neighbors were home and her hope or her prayer was that they would hear her and they would come up and they would stop it. And that's what happened. She's still alive and well today and she's great. And she got away from him that time. That was that was really the final straw. Um, she did even still go back one more time because she needed to be sure. And this is, these are her words to me. She needed to be sure that she had done everything that she could possibly do to make sure that that had ended, that he was not going to change, that it wasn't her. She had been working on herself. She dove into her Bible. She'd done all of this self-work. She was going to school to be a nurse. She'd done all of these things to make herself better, got out of the negative, changed her negative self-talk. And it, it took a, another year, but she finally realized that things were not going to change. And she was able to walk away and get away. And it's been a beautiful life since then. You know, does she still have struggles and, and hard times now? Yeah, because she's still on her growth. You know, my my growth really started in 2009. That's when my, I, I don't, let me rephrase that. My depression, the, dark, the worst part of my depression was 2009. I can look back and see that I was probably depressed the majority of my life. But I can say the darkest part of my depression was in 2009. 
working out and changing my body physically was the beginning of my personal development in 2010, then that's where the dream of becoming a personal trainer was birthed. And so it took me another, that was 2010, 2012 was when I actually passed my test to become a personal trainer. So another two years and that two years, y'all was hard. Like that two years sucked. Like I was still a dancer. I was still drinking. I was still doing um, recreational drugs. I did the alcohol so I could do the job that I hated so bad. I did the recreational drugs to be able to sober up enough to get home. That is not the right way to live life. I'm not condoning that whatsoever. I am just telling you that was my path, man. And it was the only thing that I knew. It was how I could numb myself enough in order to function so that I would not be homeless. When I was at home and not working, I would study half-heartedly because I had a belief, a very deep belief that was just loud enough that, you know, Tammy, you're in your 40s. Are you going to be able to be a personal trainer and be able to survive? Like, can you really make enough money to live off of being a personal trainer? I had no idea. And that's just real. That was honest. And so I had doubts. I mean, I made great money dancing, but I hated how I felt. I hated what I was doing to my body. And I really knew that if I continued that life, that I would not be alive very much longer. That was a very real thought in my head. And that is why when I, I left Huntsville and I moved to Atlanta to start over, like living in Alabama from 1978 until 2011, I felt nothing but heartache, nothing but hurt, nothing but pain, nothing but turmoil. And it was time for a change, man. I didn't know if leaving Alabama would change my life, but I knew staying in Alabama was going to not change my life and not changing my life was not okay. I knew that I had to take a chance and starting over in a place where nobody but one person knew me. And that was Jason. Like, I didn't know whether or not we would ever be together. But in the back of my, in the back of my mind, that was a hope. And I clung to that hope because he had saved me once. And I felt like if I was close to him, if anything happened, I would be safe. I was looking for somebody to save me again. And that's not okay. Like, we have to be our own hero, man. We have to be able to put on our own oxygen mask. We have to be able to take that step and say, I'm doing this for me and do it unapologetically. Like, we don't owe anybody an explanation about shit for anything it is that we do when it comes to our self-care and making sure that we are making it to the next step in our life. We don't owe anybody an explanation about shit when we are chasing our dreams. When I came to California, I don't owe anybody an explanation. When I said I got a vision from God and I'm going out on faith, I don't have a job. I don't have anywhere to live. I don't have any friends out there. I'm selling everything I own. I did that in less than 90 days. And I drove my 50-year-old happy ass across the country on my own. It took me four days and I did it. I got a job four days after I landed in, in California. And it has been an awesome ride ever since. I finished my book. It is in the proofreading stages right now. Copyright is fixing to be done here shortly. I just got somebody to come and do my uh, cover photo 
we're going to do like this great big hike and go on type of a mountain and take the most epic picture so you can see have that I did it moment feeling when you see the cover of my book and I'm going to hit publish y'all and I'm going to be a best-selling Wall Street Journal best-selling author and Amazon best-selling author hopefully a New York Times best-selling author someday that's all part of it. I know of at least two more books that I've got coming after this one. This isn't just, you know, oh, I just did this to mark it off my bucket list. I'm doing this because I want to help other people see that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. But it starts with how you think, you know, going through those two years from 2010 to 2012, the words in my head were like, you're not smart enough. Like you've been out of school so long. How are you going to, how are you going to study and be a personal trainer and make money doing that and make more money than what you're doing stripping? That was a real thought in my head. I didn't know if I could make more money than what I was doing dancing. And most likely I wouldn't, but I had to be okay with that because it, it hurt my soul to do that job. It made me cringe every day that I had to pull up in that parking lot and I had to get undressed for strangers for the dollars that they were throwing on the stage. It's not a happy life, man. I don't know too many people that are in that life that aren't doing drugs, that aren't alcoholics, that aren't addicted to the money, that aren't addicted to the drugs, whatever that looks like. And I want to help as many people if they're in that life now and they want to get out. I'm here to tell you that you can. You just have to say, I want to and not give up. I'm here to tell anybody that is having bouts of depression, bouts with depression, you can beat it. You have to decide that that's what you want to do. And I beg you with everything that is within my soul, not to take any depressants to do it the antidepressants. And I just posted this on my Facebook. Actually, I will put the link in my show notes where a Fox investigative reporter actually called out all of the pharmaceutical companies that produce antidepressants. He linked antidepressants in our adolescence to nine of the 12 massive school shootings, including Columbine. All of those students that were a part that did the shootings in all of those schools, including Columbine, were either on antidepressants or are going through the withdrawals of coming off the antidepressants. All of them. All I think there's been 12 mass shootings, if, if my memory serves me correct, don't quote me on that number, but I do remember the, nine, the number nine very distinctly. So whether it was 11 or 12, I know nine of them, he proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that those kids were on the antidepressants. And even one of the fathers spoke up and said, yes, he was withdrawing off the antidepressants and his thoughts in his head of suicide became more. The antidepressants numb you from your emotions. Yes, that feels like that should be a solution for what it is that you're going through, but it's not because once you numb yourself from the emotion, you don't care what happens to yourself or anybody else. That's not a way to live. I can tell you by changing your diet, getting in the gym and working out, by doing personal development, like listening to this podcast or listening to other podcasts, by reading books, self-help books, getting a mentor, getting in church, if that's where your belief structure is, 
All of those things will help you change your life. It is structure. You need community. You need people to feed you the beautiful things about you. Because sometimes looking in the mirror, we can't see beauty because we feel so ugly. Sometimes looking in the mirror, we can't see that we are enough because we feel so beat down. You are enough and you are worthy and you are beautiful and you are powerful. Screw what anybody else has got to say about it. Nobody else gets to tell you about you but you. Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Your opinion of you, your self-talk is what's either building you or crushing you. So who do you think you're talking to? Like all that negative self-talk, stop it. Is it going to be easy? No. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and give you this false hope. Oh, well, I'm just going to think positive today and everything's going to be all hunky-dory and everything's going to be great. Absolutely not. That is a lie and I'm not going to tell it. Like I said, those two years before I became a personal trainer and we're, we're walking up on, let's see, March, um, March 8th is the, my seven-year anniversary of passing my personal trainer exam. And it was a beautiful time. That was the first time that I purposefully created a positive change in my life. And I did it. And I made it happen. That was enough belief for me to know that I could do it again. That was enough belief for me to realize that I could teach myself to be a better person. When I passed that test on March 8th, I had walked away from all the dancing, all the webcam shows, all the alcohol, all the drugs. And I'm not going to say that I don't drink alcohol. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I am not drinking a 12 pack or a bottle of wine or 15 margaritas in a night just to be numb in order to do a job it is that I hate. Do I have a glass of wine occasionally now? Absolutely. Do I drink a beer occasionally now? Absolutely. Do I drink a margarita now occasionally? Absolutely. But I don't drink to get drunk to be numb. So that's what I mean. I, I, I walked away from that. But I haven't done drugs since. None. For, it, for any reason. And I feel so much better. I haven't been sick since 2015. Actually, no, my granddaughter will be 11 in April. I have not had the flu since my granddaughter uh, was born in 2008. I had some sinus issues and I haven't bought any more sinus medicine in over two years. And when I say sinus issues, I had sinus infections almost every single month. And that was due to my negative self-talk my emotional beliefs about myself and what I was going through. And once I cleared those thoughts and cleared those beliefs, I haven't bought any more over-the-counter sinus medicine. And I'm here to tell you, I spent 30 to $50 a month on sinus medication from the time I married, actually probably before I got out of my mom's house, I was using a lot of sinus medication then. But I know from the time that I married my kid's dad when I was 19, so that was in 1986. So from 1986 up until 2017, I spent anywhere from 30 to $50 a month on over-the-counter sinus medication, not including the times that I would go to the emergency room because I would get a sinus migraine and I would have to get a shot in order to get it to stop. Changing how I thought about myself, changing how I talked to myself, 
changed my physical health from shitty to stellar. And I just got back from having my annual physical and my doctor took my blood and he was like, "Uh, have you had your pneumonia shot or your flu shot? I was like, nope. He was like, well, we can do that today. And I'm like, nope. And he was like, but like you work as a personal trainer. And I was like, and I haven't had the flu since, you know, 2008. And it was like, you have a list of symptoms or things that I should have. If I had any of those or several of those things right there, it says I should get the pneumonia vaccination. I have none of those things. And I'm not over the age of 64. There is no need unless my immune system is broken or my immune system is weakened for some reason that I feel the need to have that shot. There's no need to even introduce that into my body. So that's where I said, and he was like, well, okay, you are correct. They did my blood work. My blood work came back clean as a whistle. My cholesterol was great. My blood pressure was great. My sugar was great. Tested zero for diabetes. My liver function, my heart function, all of those things were awesome. The only thing that was on the low side was I was low on vitamin D. So I've got to supplement my vitamin D and start doing that. But outside of that, I like, they was like, when the nurse called me, she was like, congratulations. I was like, congratulations. Like they called me the day after I had my blood work. I have never had a doc, never in my life had a doctor call me the day after I got blood work to give me good news. So when they called me, I was a little nervous and I was like, oh shit, what happened? You know, I, for a fleeting second, I was like, it can't be anything bad because I know I'm healthy. And so she told me, she was like, yeah, she was like, you're healthy as a horse, man. Everything came back great. And she was like, we never have that happen with somebody that's 51 years old. Like most of the people that come in here are on so many medications already at 51. Like you are just stellar. Uh, You know, we just need to supplement your vitamin D. And so to me, that was great to be able to have that as a win in my box. I did that because I started taking care of my mental health. I started that because I started taking care of how I talk to myself. After I passed my test in uh, 2012, I got back in church. I got a mentor at church to help me heal me from the inside out because I knew that's what I needed. Then I, my son gave me some books because he's very big into personal development. He gave me some books to study because I told him, I was like, I need to make me a better me. I had to learn how to teach me how to be a better me. I'm not in school anymore. I don't have a teacher to say, hey, do this homework and you, this is your grade. I had to, I had to teach me. I had to give me a grade. I had to be willing to stand up to myself and look myself in the mirror and say, Tammy, you pass or you fail. I mean, this is life. I get one life. You get one life. Do you want to sit on the sidelines and beat yourself up all the time and live, start living an average life or keep living an average life from here on out? Or do you want to have this amazing life? Do you want to create a life by design? Do you want to create a history, a legacy that you're proud of? You can do that by just deciding that's what you want to do and then take a step. You can't make a decision and then sit down and wait for it to happen. It doesn't work that way. So how do you change your thoughts? One, you got to be aware that you're making them. All right. This is this is the part that gets a little hard sometimes. What I encourage my clients to do uh, in my life coaching business is put a rubber band around your wrist. 
And every time that you hear a negative thought or you say something negative about you, pop that rubber band on the inside of your wrist. That shit hurts. And you have to be honest with yourself. Hey, Tammy, don't say that. Or, you know, insert your name, of course. Don't say that. Don't say that. And pop that shit hard and make it hurt. Like, don't barely pull it and give yourself this little pop. You think about your kids. Would you let your kids? This is going to get good. So for all my moms and all my grandmas, all my dads, would you let your child sit there and say that they're garbage? Would you let your child sit there and say that they're terrible, that they're not lovable, that they're ugly, that they're fat, that nobody loves them? Would you? If you wouldn't let your child do it, why are you doing it to yourself? Would you allow somebody else to say those things to your child? Nope. Those are fighting words for your child. They should be fighting words for you. If you're in a relationship and that's the way your significant other speaks to you, they should be fighting words for you too. That should be your signal to get the hell out. If you need help getting out because you are in an abusive situation, there's ways and places that you can go to get that. Actually, a really good place to go, uh, Dr. Phil's wife, Robin, has a website about all of that. I will find that website and I will put the link in my show notes as well for those of you that may be in an abusive relationship and you need a safe house, you need a safe way to get out. Uh, And I know that that happens sometimes and I want to keep all of you safe. I want to make sure that you get to choose your life, that you get to create the life it is that you want, that you know how valuable that you are, that you know how beautiful that you are, and you know how powerful that you are. You get to choose in all of these things where it is that you go, who it is that you end up becoming, and the life it is that you get to create. The only reason somebody else gets to create that stuff for you is because you gave them permission. You get to choose. Always. It is always under your control. Nobody else has control over you. And if somebody has convinced you that you're worthless, or if somebody told you or convinced you in some way that you are under their control, it's time to make a different decision. It's time to go a different direction. It's time to start building a plan to get you out to get you safe, to get you somewhere that you can be whoever it is that you want to be. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. Is it going to be worth it? Absolutely yes. And if there's anything that I can do to lead you and guide you down that path, I am willing and able to do that. That's why I do these podcasts is to help build you up from the inside out. You have to start taking control of how it is that you think. Start with the rubber band trick, man. That I think that's a really good way to get started. Start with personal development books. Andy Andrews is a great source of doing that. I teach a class called Life Awakening. I am um, building my video course for that now. So as that becomes a, 
as that gets closer to fruition and becomes available, I'll definitely be telling you guys about that. But I, uh, I built this class based off of what I learned from his books and the several other books that I've learned in my life coaching tools and uh, that's in my toolbox so that I can help you guys become a better you and help you change that life. Another book that you can read is, um, or any of Andy Andrews' books, but um, Mastering the Traveler's Gift and Mastering the Seven Decisions. Esther and Jerry Hicks uh, and Abraham Hicks talk a lot about uh, your emotions and the emotional scale. That's where I talk about the emotional scale is I got that from them. And it makes sense. And, you know, when I apply those things to my life, I can look back and I can say, oh, yes, that and that and that and that. And it's all very real and it's all very true. They have a book called Ask and It's Given. Uh, you can look at that. That is another good tool that you can use in order to do that. And, you know, whatever feels good to you. Like, you don't have to take my word for it. Another, another good book, you know, look up self-help. John Maxwell is another great one. Uh, Girl, Go Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Uh, she's got a new book coming out. Um, is what I can't remember the name of her of her new book. But Girl, Go Wash Your Face is, is a good one. So start with Girl, Go Wash Your Face. That's a great one. She's specifically talking to women. And I think it'll be, uh, she shares her story in there. And I think it'll be very empowering for you guys. And of course, my book will be out soon. It is called Dear Victim, It's Time for Us to Break Up Now. It is a story of empowerment through forgiveness, strength, and love. And like I said, I share a lot of my story on my on my podcast, but I go really in-depth and give you a whole lot more information, and I give a lot more tools and direction in what you can do in order to change your life just like I did. And I'm so excited to share that guy, share that with you guys. And, you know, I... I hope that you don't feel like I was too hard on you today, but I do like, I want to be in your face right now. Like, who do you think you're talking to, man? Like quit talking to yourself that way. You can change your life. It's by first changing your self-talk. Those voices in your head, those are your words. Those are thoughts that you have thought. Those are probably seeds that maybe somebody else planted. And they poured buckets of water on it and you started believing it because you had no structure or no belief structure around you, no help around you to feed you the positive stuff to make you believe anything any different. I want to help you change that. And I hope that I gave you something to think about, something positive to think about and a way to help you change. Um, one other book that you can do, and I think I talked about this and um, you have pure potential inside you is The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Uh, that is a very small book. It's super easy to read, super easy to go through, and it will be amazing for you. I want you and The Power of Now by uh, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, those are all great books that will help you move forward. And if you say you don't have time to read, fine, there's Audible. You can go to Audible, you can get them on there, and you can listen to it through Audible, and you don't have to sit down and read. I read with a purpose, so I like to have the physical book. I like to have the actual energy coming from the book, and I like 
I can't ever turn my, my books back in. I can't sell them <laughs> at a bookstore, uh, at, at those used bookstores, because I've got highlights in there. I'm underlining stuff. I'm making notes in the, in the margins of the pages. And I like to go back and read books because um, after you've read it once, you've grown, you've expanded, and you can't go back. So when you read it the second time, you're in a different place. And so your perspective on what you see there and what you read there and what you feel there is going to be very different. And that's what I experienced or what I have experienced during my personal growth journey since I'll say since really 2012, because that's when I really started digging in and trying to affect change in my life, a positive change in my life. Even on my Facebook post, really from 2012, you see the up and down of the negative post versus the positive post really take a major shift at that point. I was very purposeful in what I thought about. I could, I was learning and teaching myself to look at a negative situation and say, okay, so what's the positive here? You know, I wrecked my car two times in six months and the last one could have taken my life because I almost went over an embankment. And I looked at it as like, you know what? I may not have a car, but I have my life. I am still living. I am still breathing. I may not have a car to get back and forth to work, but you know what? I have personal, I have public transportation. There's MARTA and Atlanta. I've never in my life been on MARTA, but you know what? I'm going to figure it out. I walked two and a half miles one way to the bus station every day to get back and forth to work. So I would not miss a single client. And I did that six days a week for over a year. If I can do that, and still be positive about it, you can do anything in your life and be positive about it. You can change your life. I said in a, in a previous podcast, you know, we have over 60,000 thoughts in our head every day. 75% of those are negative for the majority of people. That's 45,000 negative thoughts going through your head. You have a negative superhighway going on, an eight-lane superhighway. You've got to start jumping off that highway and building a positive highway on the other side. Jump off those exits, start building those positive thoughts, and it'll take time. Learn to meditate. Meditation is a great way, great way to silence your monkey mind and get out of it. Because once the law of attraction gets a hold of those negative thoughts, they become a runaway train. They have a, they have a momentum. And so I want you guys to... Have a way, have a tool that will help you stop that. You only need 15 minutes of meditation to get your mind quiet. And I know some of you are going to say, like, how do you how do you silence your mind? When I try to meditate, my mind never gets quiet. Well, you can do it by every time a thought comes up, release it. You know, and, and I had to do that in the beginning. Like, prayer is meditation. Okay, you're silencing what it is that you're thinking and you're asking God for things. Meditation is preparing to receive the answers from God. Prayer is telling God what you want. Meditation is quieting your mind so you can hear him. And I'm going to share this part because it's something else that I shared in a previous podcast. I want to say it was prayer versus meditation was the was the podcast. And I think I shared it in, a, in an earlier one, too. Uh but if your mind has got 60,000 thrashing around thoughts and 45,000 of them are negative, that's like an angry ocean, guys. That is like an ocean that has got a hurricane in it or a monsoon in it and is thrashing around and beating you to death. 
I don't even like saying beating you to death. It is it is beating you around and you feel like you have just been in a brawl. You've been hit by a Mack truck and it keeps backing over you and running over you and backing over you and running over you. That's what it feels like. Well, it says in the Bible, God speaks to you in a still, quiet voice. So if your mind is a thrashing around ocean, he could throw the damn Empire State Building in there and you wouldn't hear it because the ocean is drowning it out. So what I want you guys to learn how to do is to silence your mind so you can hear him speak to you. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, you know, you may not hear words. It depends on if you're audible or, or visual. Sometimes you'll get glimpses or flashes of little visions. And people call those deja vu moments. Those are moments where God is showing you what it is that you need to do or where it is that you need to go. Maybe you have this overpowering sensation to go to this particular Starbucks and it's not one that you normally go to. Maybe you have this overpowering sensation to go to this place for lunch. Did you know that that is God's source, higher powers way of leading you, guiding you? That is your intuition, that your gut instinct, that is your higher power. He's leading you to a place where you are most likely going to meet somebody that you need to talk to in order to get you to that next step to get you to that next place that's going to get you to your dream. So the only way to do that is to quiet your mind so that you can hear him internally. You know, um, so when you quiet your mind, instead of him having to throw the Empire State Building into a thrashing around ocean, you have now made your mind a still quiet pond and he can skip a rock across that pond and it's going to vibrate through your soul. You've now changed your vibration from negative to at least contentment at the very least, maybe even happiness for a moment for as long as you can maintain it. When you sleep, you silence all the negative thoughts. And the next day, your job is to think positive thoughts as long as you can. Another tool that you can use is when you start thinking all of those negative thoughts, Instantly, you should have a notebook or a pen. I want you to write down five things that you're grateful for. Negative and grateful can't live in the same house. Can't do it. You can't have grateful thoughts in your mind and have negative thoughts, self-debilitating thoughts in your mind at the same time. So if you start with a gratitude every day, get a gratitude journal. A gratitude journal is great. I have one and it's almost full. I have to buy me another one. Um, Sometimes having a gratitude rock, you know, those smooth rocks, some people call them worry rocks. I don't, I don't like to call them worry rocks because you're focusing on worry instead of focusing on gratitude. Um, get you a gratitude rock and every time some of those negative thoughts come up, grab that rock, put it in your purse, put it in your pocket, put it in your jacket, grab that rock and rub your thumb on it. Okay, what am I grateful for? You know what? I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that I get to make my own schedule. I'm grateful that I was able to put gas in my car today. I'm grateful that I have food on the table. I'm grateful for my family, for my kids, for my significant other. I'm grateful that I can take in a deep breath right now and help myself calm down. I'm grateful that I have this damn rock in my hand because it is helping me to relieve my mind of whatever negative stress that I have going on right now. Like whatever that looks like for you, I would really encourage you to do that as often as possible. Rhonda Byrne has a book that talks about 28 days of gratitude. There's all kinds of things that you can do. So these are just some quick tips and tools to help you do that. 
if you would like to know more, you can either A, leave me a message on the Anchor app, and I would love to share your story or share your question with the rest of our listeners. If you leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, I can go and I can check that, and I would love to leave you a comment or share your comment on my next episode. You can also email me. I will put my email link in my show notes. I will also... um, you can reach me on Facebook, which is in my profile. I'll also put links to my other my other social media platforms so that you can reach me there. I would love to hear from you guys. And um, next week, I have a big surprise for you guys. And no, I'm not telling you what it is because I've got to get it all done. And I don't want to tell you that I'm going to have it. And then something happened and I don't get it done. So uh, I'm working on a really, really, really great, big, huge surprise for you guys. And look forward to that next week. And I think that's about it, guys. I I hope with all of my heart that you got some value out of today's episode. I hope that when you hear the words, who do you think you're talking to, that you're talking to yourself when you hear those negative thoughts and words and comments come about you. I hope that you continue to do your mirror exercises and look yourself in the mirror and see nothing but pure beauty. See nothing but pure awesomeness. See nothing but pure power because you are beautiful. You are powerful and you are enough and you are worthy of all of the beautiful things that this earth and this universe has to offer you. I love you guys to the moon and back and I will see you next week. Bye-bye now.